Good morning and thanks again for joining us uh, online during this time of social distancing. Uh, I am encouraged and excited this morning. I'm encouraged because this past Tuesday, we had a park and pray event at the church where we encouraged the church to come out, sit in their cars, listen through the radios of some, some prayer, uh, specifically uh, targeted prayer and some good worship. And it was just a sweet time. There was a sweet spirit there. I had a lot of people smiling as they were coming in and smiling as they were leaving. And it just, it put a smile on my face and it just blessed me. So thank you for being a part of that. Uh, so I was greatly encouraged Tuesday night. I'm also excited because this Sunday, the 24th, next Sunday, that is, we're going to be gathering again corporately inside the sanctuary at Living Water. I'm excited because I've been longing to see you all for eight weeks now, and I know everybody else feels the same way. Uh, so we've done some things to kind of make sure that we're uh, practicing social distancing. And, and I want to just encourage you, if you're, you're worried about a larger number of people, come at nine o'clock because there's always a little extra space in the church at nine during that service. So we'll have the nine o'clock service and the 1030 service. And again, if you're not able to come or you feel like you're, you're compromised in your immune system and you're just not comfortable doing that, I understand. And we will continue to put the video online uh, so you'll still be able to watch there. But if you can and you're willing to, I would encourage you uh, to come this next Sunday and worship with us. You know, as I was thinking about what to share today, I was considering this one word, response. It's a word that we've heard a lot <clears throat> thrown around over the past few weeks during this uh, time of, of, of pandemic. And we, we hear about the response of the media, the, how they respond. We hear about the government's response to COVID, the doctor's response, the schools, the churches. It seems like everybody's having to respond to this COVID-19. And I don't know how you respond to certain things, but as I was asking that question or considering that question, I thought of myself and I thought of us as Christians, how do we respond to times of crisis? How do we respond to trials. Uh, another way of looking at this is how do we respond to maltreatment or mistreatment or injustice? And as I considered that, I thought, you know, it, it's important for us to realize the importance of our response, whether it's in action or in speech, on how we handle this because there's a lot of people watching. And the Bible says that we are the salt and we are the light. And there's a lot at stake. Uh, and so I, I want to just open scripture with you in the book of Acts. There's a great example of what I'm going to call a radical response uh, to mistreatment. And, and the context of the story is the Apostle Paul and his partner uh, in, in this missionary journey was Silas. And uh, they'd already gone on one missionary journey. Now they're on their second missionary journey. And uh, they had joined together uh, at the church at Jerusalem. Silas was a leader from that church. And now they're on this second missionary journey. And uh, Paul has this vision to go to Macedonia. It's called the Macedonian Call. And in this vision, he, he sees a man saying, hey, come to Macedonia and basically tell us about the gospel. So Paul says, hey, this is a great opportunity to spread the word and to preach the gospel. And so they load up and they get on a boat and they make their way to Macedonia. And as they get there, they finally wind up at this little town called Philippi. And it was at Philippi that they're going to a place to pray, the normal place where they would gather for prayer. Uh, and it says as they were going, there was this young girl and she was demon possessed. Now this demon possession gave her a special ability to predict the future. And so, yeah, that's kind of cool in and of itself, but the problem was it was, it was a wicked practice that a lot of people were using this young girl to make a fortune off of. She was like a, a gold mine for them. Well, she was following Paul and Silas and she was saying, these men are servants of the Most High God and they've come to tell you how to be saved. Her message was great, 
But I think what was happening was there was so much distraction about her following every day and yelling this that it was pulling away from their mission. And so finally, Paul says, um, I, I command you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And immediately the demon left this little girl. That's good news, right? Well, if you're the little girl that's demon-possessed, that's great news. But if you're the ones that were making all of the money off of this girl's demon possession, it's not so good for you. And so what happened is it got everybody in an uproar. And they're hacked off, and they, they go grab Paul and Silas, and they bring them before the authorities. And they basically say, the whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. In verse 22, it says, A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. Verse 24 says, So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Well, let's review real quick. So Paul and Silas did a great thing. They're preaching the gospel. They're telling the Gentiles in Macedonia about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They cast out a demon from a little girl who's been demon-possessed. We don't know how long. Uh, and the Bible doesn't even tell us what happened after uh, she was freed of that demon. We just know that the demon was cast out, and then Paul and Silas, as a result of that, were beaten and thrown into prison. I would call that injustice. I would call that um, maltreatment or mistreatment. And so now they're in prison, and they've been beaten. It says that they were ordered to be beaten. I want you to understand the ones that did the beating were not just average people. They were soldiers. They were uh, equipped in this particular form of punishment, and they specifically wanted to inflict as much pain and punishment as they could as they beat Paul and Silas. And after their beating, they're thrown into the prison, and because they don't want them to escape, he says, now put them in the inner cell. And so now Paul and Silas, are stuck in a cell, an inner cell, and their feet are chained in shackles. And I just have to stop there and ask the question, how would you respond? I think about how I would respond, and, and I, I whine a little bit about inconveniences, you know, this COVID thing. Uh, we, we've seen a lot of changes lately, and everybody's having to respond uh, to it and how they, they do business and or ministry. And I know for me, it's frustrating just to go to a store or to go to, here's a new one, going to Walmart and taking the one-way aisle and there's no passing lane on that one-way aisle. You get behind somebody that's slower and that doesn't know what they're going to get, you're just waiting. And you can't go backwards down the aisle. I mean, so there's these things that are frustrations to us and, and our response in that might look like frustration, anger, maybe we get discouraged and plain out mad, but when it comes to mistreatment, when it comes to someone treating us harshly or, or maybe some injustice, I know how I'm wired and, and I want to fight. There's the old shame that comes out of me and I just want to put up the dukes and I want to duke it out with somebody. I really want to retaliate and, and get them for the injustice that's been done to me. Maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you have been a little bit bitter lately or maybe you've been frustrated or you find yourself, your fuse is a little shorter than it should be. Or, or maybe you're listening to all the hype on the internet and, and it doesn't matter where you're at. There's just plenty of things to hear, uh, plenty of conspiracy theories or plenty of, of things that you look at and go, hmm, there, there's some truth to that. And so no matter where you're at, chances are we're all responding uh, differently to those things. And so the question is, how do you respond? You know, as you think about all the many responses over the past eight weeks during this COVID-19 pandemic, 
you know, there's some responses that are normal and actually healthy. We responded to a virus that we didn't know much about at the very beginning. And so everybody's scrambling and trying to figure out how to respond as best as we can to, to save lives and to make sure people that don't get infected and or sick. But there's some responses that have been unhealthy. And what I mean by that is, you know, you get governors that see an opportunity to step on some religious liberties and some freedoms and our constitutional rights, and they take it way too far. And, that, and that's an unhealthy response. And so if you're a Christian and, and you're gathering and you're being punished because of that, and, and I bring that up because I just read of Sacramento, California, and how the governor uh, on the National Day of Prayer, a bunch of Christians were gathered together for prayer, and, and all of a sudden their permit was pulled, and now they're getting harassed by the security around there. And an actual pastor, uh, Pastor Tim, was tackled to the ground and mistreated. And I just have to ask the question, how would we respond, and how should we respond to this mistreatment or to this maltreatment? And, and I think that when we consider Paul's approach and what he went through, if anyone had a, a reason to want to wanna respond in, a, in an ugly way, I guess it would be the Apostle Paul, but we see in an example for him a, a, this ridiculous response, um, and it's found in verse uh, 25. It says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Wait, time out. They just got beaten with rods, and it says they were severe, severely beaten. They were put into prison. They're chained um, in these shackles, and it says at midnight, these dudes are praying, and they're singing praises or singing hymns to God. That just blows my mind. Because I think if I'm in the prison, I'm going to tell everybody in there. First off, it's at midnight, so I'm complaining, right? And I'm telling everybody about the mistreatment that, I have, uh, that I've just experienced. And I want them to know just what I think about it. And man, if I wasn't chained up to this, these chains and these shackles, I'll tell you what I would do. I mean, that's the way we respond, but not Paul and not Silas. See, they experienced God's favor in the past. And as a result of that, they just knew where their strength was at. And they knew whose battle it was. And so it says that they're at midnight singing and praying. I think we can learn from that. I think that we can take our cues from Paul and Silas there in the middle of mistreatment, in the middle of a trial, they chose prayer and singing uh, as their response. Now, it says, and the other prisoners were listening, and which, which cracks me up because I'm thinking I would have been there. I'd have said, like, be quiet, I'm trying to sleep. So it says in verse 26, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner, including Paul and Silas, every prisoner, it says, they fell off. Now, as a response, the jailer, when he woke up to see that the prison doors were open wide, um, he assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Why? Because in their day, if you let a prisoner escape, it was your life. And so when he looked up naturally and saw the doors of the prison open, he's freaking out because he knows he's going to die anyway. So he takes a sword and he's about to end his life. But this is another response of Paul that I think is, is crucial and important. See, in chapter 12, Peter was released from prison and, and he, he went away. In this case, Paul and Silas, though the chains were gone and the doors were open, they stayed. There was an opportunity that was about to be afforded to them and they were there for that opportunity. And so it says that Paul and Silas calls out to the jailer and they said, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. And verse 29 says, The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Wow, that's awesome, right? Verse 31, so it says, They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. It says, And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. 
Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. It says, then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Do you catch the significance of this? So their response in the midst of this mistreatment was to respond in absolute trust and faith in God. They were praying and, and they, were, they were jamming out or worshiping or praising God with singing these hymns. You know, that's what it is. We're bragging on God when we praise God. We're talking about how awesome our God is. The battle belongs to the Lord. I think that if I were singing a song like that in prison today, I'd say, the battle belongs to you, Lord. And so they're praying and they're worshiping. And as a result, the earthquake happens, the doors open, the chains fell off. And while they would have had the opportunity to run for freedom and safety, they stayed there. And because of that response, there's a Philippian jailer and his family, I believe, today in heaven that benefited from Paul and Silas's response in the middle of this trial. That's cool to think about it, if, if you just imagine that for a moment, that the decision they made, their response has an eternal significance, eternal consequences. There's a family that believed and placed their faith in God because Paul and Silas responded radically in an awesome way. And I wonder how we respond to things, how we look at what it is that we're going through and, and how we will, we will handle whatever comes around the corner. I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. I can't tell you if they're going to try to strip away more of our liberties or if they're seeing this as an opportunity uh, to come in and, and shut churches down. But I, but I can tell you this, the Bible is clear that as Christians, we are the salt and we are the light. Uh, it's through us that God is going to uh, make himself known. He's going to use us to spread the gospel. And so it's important for us to live in a way that is attractive, if you will, to those that we're trying to reach. And so Jesus says things like, love your enemy. Uh, don't retaliate. We leave that up to God. On, on a personal level, when it comes to responding, I think we should respond radically as well. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Pray for those who persecute us. Show kindness to those who persecute us. Show forgiveness. Don't harbor that. Don't hold on to that. Responding in a radical way like that, I think it sets us free, spiritually speaking. I can't tell you how many times I've been in the dungeon of despair and discouragement, and I would begin to pray, and I'd begin to sing some songs of worship, maybe turn on some worship music, and those, those chains come off, if you will, that the dungeon doors come open and I experience a little freedom in my spirit. I know, I know that's true and maybe you've experienced the same thing as well. But as we consider the chains falling off of Paul and Silas and the doors coming open, I don't think it happened for them, but I think spiritually speaking, the chains came off and the doors of the prison came open for the Philippian jailer and for the rest of his family. You see, God released them from prison not for their benefit. He did what he did. That miracle there was not for their benefit to escape, but I believe it's for God to use it as a pivotal circumstance to bring this Philippian jailer into the family of God. What a great, what a great story. What a great example. And I don't know about you, but I'm challenged in that, and I'm also encouraged that as a follower of Jesus Christ, the way I respond to the things that go on around me, specifically to mistreatment, uh, the mistreatment of others, and maybe an injustice that comes my way, could have eternal significance and eternal consequences. And so I, I want to live my life in such a way as to, uh, that if I experience that, I respond in a way that would be an example for others that may be around me, that God may use that to say, hey Shane, somebody's watching you and I want them to see a, a level-headed response in this situation because I'm gonna use that to draw them to me. So here's a question for you. How, how will you respond 
when you're mistreated? Will you take the normal approach like we all take? Get mad, try to get even, or get ahead? Will you get bitter or maybe hang on to some unforgiveness? Or will you take the radical approach that Paul and Silas took? And will you just trust and recognize that your strength is not in the government, it's not in, in the circumstances around you, but it's in the Lord God. I think it's Psalm 20, verse 7, that says, Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I love that. Our hope, our trust is in God. He is bigger than any battle we'll ever face. He's bigger than any mountain that we can or cannot see. To borrow a line from an old song that I used to sing, uh, but God is, is big. He is our defense. He is the one that, that rewards us. He's the one that protects us. He's the one that is with us in the middle of all of this. And I think that the proper response to these things will give us the ability to, to reveal what our attitude is. Or to say it like this, Paul and Silas demonstrated in their response that their hope, their trust, their peace was not in the circumstances around them, but it was in God's faithfulness. So I want to encourage you to look to God in this time. If you're experiencing some hardships, and chances are we live in the great state of Texas. We're not seeing much of this yet, but we could. And if we do, Christians, it's an opportunity for us to shine the light. It's an opportunity for us to go before our Father, the throne of grace, in prayer and lift up these things. And, and keep in mind that 10 years after this incident, uh, Paul was so impacted uh, by this event in his life that he reminds the Philippian church, this is the place he was at when he was in prison, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. This perspective is from someone that was beaten in Philippi and thrown into prison in Philippi, and he says, hey, always be joyful in the Lord. And he goes on to say, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So can I challenge you today to take your cues from Paul and Silas when you're faced with an injustice or maltreatment, mistreatment by someone else, uh, to follow their example, to take it to God in prayer, to just simply go to Him because He is our refuge, He is our help in times of trouble, to take it to Him in prayer and to praise Him for who He is and what He's done and what He's going to do, to make a big deal of who God is and let God do what God does. Uh, but when he does that, when he, he gives you peace and he frees you from those shackles and, and opens those prison doors of, of whatever it is that you're in, when he does that for you, keep in mind the opportunity that might be in front of you to just remain where you're at and say, okay, God, now what do you want me to do with this? Because that's exactly what Paul and Silas did. They were in prison. They didn't run. And God gave them the opportunity to share their testimony, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone else. And so God may open a door for you. And I just want you to know your testimony is very powerful. There are people that will refute the claims of the Bible. They try, and, and they'll have debates all day long. But it's really hard to refute a person whose life has been radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you, you can't tell me who I know who I was better than you did. And I know that I once was lost, but now I'm found. I know that I once was blind, but now I see. There's power in your testimony. So let God use that. Let God use that as a light to someone else and perhaps your obedience, your radical response to these injustices will have an eternal impact. And there may be someone in heaven eons from now that'll come to you and say, hey, I just want you to know you made a difference in my life. I watched you walk through what you went through and I watched you respond and that was intriguing to me and that's what caused me to ask the same question, what do I need to do? 
to be saved. Will you pray with me? Father, I just thank you so much for just the encouragement in your word today. I thank you for the challenges uh, in your word. And I pray that you would today reveal in our hearts what our proper response should be. Lord, the temptation is just to respond in the flesh like everyone else is doing. Lord, as we see this great example of Paul and Silas in prison and how when they could have just complained and been bitter and, and, and ran at the opportunity that they had, they, they chose, Lord, to, to pray. They chose to sing songs and hymns, and I'm sure that had an impact around them. And, Father, you used them to win this Philippian jailer and his family to you. And I believe that they are, they are in heaven today as a result of Paul and Silas's radical response. So, God, would you help us to follow that same example? Would you help us to realize it's not about us? Lord, our perspective, sometimes we're too self-focused, and that causes us to respond in, a, in an unhealthy way. But help us to realize, Lord, that there's a bigger thing going on behind us that we may not understand, and that you're in control, and, and somehow you're going to use this for your glory. And Lord, I believe that you are glorified whenever your people uh, take your words and apply them in this way, especially in times of testing, times of trial, even times of mistreatment. And we follow your example and let you do what you do. The reality is the battle is not ours. It is yours. So, Lord, would you be honored in our lives? Uh, would you challenge us in our faith to be who you've called us to be, to live a life worthy of this calling that we've been called to? Uh, Lord, and we'll be careful to give you the glory and the honor for it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to close with a passage of Scripture in Hebrews and that the writer of Hebrews shares by way of a benediction. It says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.